In today's episode, I'm interviewing Heather Zakowski from Art for Life Coaching. Heather is an art therapist, ICF certified coach, recovery coach, artist, and business owner. She's an American who has lived in the US, Canada, China, and currently resides in the United Arab Emirates. Prior to her coaching career, Heather worked as an art therapist in a variety of settings, school-based, state mental health, and nonprofit. Additionally, she has developed community-based programming, founded a breast cancer awareness charity in China, and taught art and child development classes. She has combined her background in art therapy, coaching, teaching, and expat living to create a unique and valuable art-based life coaching practice. Welcome to the Rare Conversations podcast. I'm Leonie Milano, and I chat with business owners around the world who are starting, sustaining, scaling, and selling businesses. We talk about real-life business scenarios to help you understand the path before or as you begin your own business journey. I transitioned from working in film, TV, and global events to working with creative entrepreneurs through mindset coaching and mentoring. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs embrace the journey, understand themselves better, accelerate their growth, and get the most out of their life, making sure they have a hell of a lot of fun along the way. Welcome, Heather. It's so lovely to have you. Thank you. I can't I'm believe excited. I'm, can't believe I'm finally doing this, and this is my very first podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, so I want to uh, firstly acknowledge that we're both in the UAE. Uh, I am based in Dubai and you are in sunny Abu Dhabi. It's sunny here as well. And I just want to talk a little bit about how you got started and how you ended up here in the UAE. Okay. So um, I decided when I was a junior in high school that I wanted to be an art therapist. And uh, my father was an artist. My mom was a, a nurse. So I think I, you know, I had these influences of art and caretaking that worked at a very early age. Um, and I was actually in therapy as a kid. Um, I had lost both my parents and I was, um, talking with the therapist about what I saw for my future, you know, and what would be a good fit for me. And she pulled off, um, an introduction to art therapy book and handed it to me. And, um, I read it and mm -hmm. it really suited the different parts of my personality. It really suited kind of uh, the things that I loved. Um, and there was an undergraduate program that was 20 minutes away from where I lived. And so I was able to go, uh, when I went to college, I was able to go and do an undergraduate um, kind of certification in art therapy before I committed to a master's degree and really see if it was something that I loved. And I, I it, it suited me so well. So I have known since I was a junior exactly what I wanted to be. And I went to one undergrad, I applied to one undergrad, I applied to one graduate school, I've had one track since I was wow. a junior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I've had about 200. 
<laughs> so what I've done with that has changed over the years for sure. But I have always, it's how I think it's, um, I really believe in the healing power of art and what it does for people. And um, yeah, it's something that, and I love helping people. Um, so did that. I graduated in 2000 with my mm -hmm. master's degree in art therapy. I went to Eastern Virginia medical school. Um, and then I uh, was hired at a, um, we relocated to South Carolina. Uh, my husband and I were married at that point. Uh, he was stationed down there. I, my first job as an art therapist was at an alternative school working with the uh, middle school and high school students. And um, that's where I completed all my hours and got my official license in the U.S. as a registered an art therapist, registered art therapist. And I loved school-based work. Really? Why is that? So it was funny in graduate school, I didn't want to work with middle schoolers. I just thought they were kind of like, it was just not my, probably it's when I had the most arrest to my own development. So I didn't really want to do it. Mm. And it was my last internship and I absolutely loved them. I just think that kids in that age are just, they're fun and they're really coming into their own and they're opinionated, but they're still kind of innocent. Um, so when I worked at the, at the alternative school, these were kids that were in lieu of expulsion. Um, they had been kind of, they felt thrown out. They felt mm. uh, less than. And so this amazing school kind of just provided uh, a safe place for them. And it was a really amazing opportunity to see kids kind of develop in that. And mm -hmm. I had a lot of freedom in my job and I had an, an amazing principal who was very supportive. And so I took my kids into the, in the community and I wrote grants and I did different things because I felt like they needed to understand and uh, be a part of the society that kind of had expelled them, you know? So I wanted them to reintegrate. We did a lot of that with art uh, as well as with, you know, um, hands-on types of things and real life experience. And it was just a really dynamic, uh, fun job. So for art therapy, I love the idea of it. I haven't delved into too much around it since speaking with you. It completely changed my mind about, you know, what, what is good, especially for kids, um, you know, when they're most vulnerable and, you know, you have the opportunity to mold them, to change their minds on a track that they were on otherwise. And how long does it take? If so, if, if somebody was going to go into some kind of art therapy, what what is the process with it? I mean, I think there's a lot of people that still don't know about it. And I think it's a really good um, modality for a therapy. So it is a master's level program. Uh, to call yourself an art therapist, you need to complete a master's degree. So um, depending on the program, you know, the undergraduate the degree needs to be, uh, you know, a degree in art with a minor in psychology or degree in psychology with a minor in art. Um, and there's, you know, a couple other ways to arrive at that, but you need to have so many art credits and so many um, psych 
psychology credits before you get into uh, graduate school. And then graduate school for me was two years full time and uh, three internships. Uh, so I did an internship with children, one with adolescents and one with adults. And then basically when you go into a master's in art therapy, you're doing two masters because you're doing a master in counseling and you're doing then the art therapy component of it, because you need to do both. You need to be able to um, be a therapist. So I'm a master's level therapist. And then mm. I understand how to use art in a way to help my clients and serve my clients in the best way that they need. So you do individual group um family, drug and alcohol. Um, we do career counseling. So all of those things that you would need to do as a master's level clinician, um, mm. you would then add the art therapy. And the program I went to at Eastern Virginia Medical School was an MS. So it's a master's in science, which means that there are MA programs and there are MS programs. And the MS programs have a focus on research. And that was very important to me because um, as I mentioned, I had done the certificate program, so I had some foundation. I really wanted to do research uh, in terms of part of my education. With any psycho psychological field, research is what validates what we're doing. It shows mm -hmm. that it works. And so for me to be a part of a program that had a research component was very important. So I did my research on domestic violence, and I, I collected drawings with adults. And I looked at drawing characteristics of uh, women who were in domestic violence situations and compared them to women who were not in identified domestic violence situations. Um, and what were and the then findings? After, that would be quite interesting, actually. So I, yeah, it was a small sample. I didn't have, um, I was very close to, to statistical significance. I needed a larger sampling. But one of the things that I noticed is that all of the women who were in domestic violence situations drew themselves inside and not mm. a single one. It was called the kinetic family drawing. So it's a, a drawing that looks at uh, family, family interactions, who's included, who's not, you know, what, what the scenario is, it's draw a picture of your family doing something together. Um, right. And none of the kinetic family drawings were done outside. So none of the women who were identified in domestic violence situations drew their families outside. Whereas my sampling of um, non-identified domestic violence victims had a sampling of both, as well as we were around a holiday time when I was collecting my drawings and none of the women in domestic violence situations drew any holiday related anything, whether it was, mm. you know, uh, Hanukkah or, you know, this is in the North America, Hanukkah or Christmas or, you know, Kwanzaa, anything. There was no celebration, uh, even though there was a holiday time. So it's definitely something that could be expanded, but it was, it kind of, um, it reaffirmed what we know about domestic violence, which is, the isolation, being cut off from the outside world, um, and, you know, just the survival. And, you know, you don't really, if you're surviving, and that's all you're putting your energy into just making it through, you're not thinking about holidays, right? You're not planning, of you're course. not celebrating. Mm -hmm. um, so it confirmed kind of what we knew about domestic violence. Um, but it was really interesting to see it shown in the artwork. Um, yeah, that's really, that's an incredible insight. And it makes complete sense. 
why would they be drawing something outside, right? Right. Um, how long does it take for somebody who is doing art therapy to get any kind of benefit from it? So or does it um, depend? It depends for sure. But what I'll say about uh, art therapy is that because you have the art component, um, the results tend to be faster and longer standing and more dynamic. Um, because, you know, so in terms of our brains, we have an experience. We store the words in the left-hand side of our brain. It's like a file cabinet. It stores all the data, right? These are all the data points of the situation. In the right-hand side, we store the emotion, the global understanding, um, we, the memory of it, but they're separated. And so the art, and it's a visual, the right side is visual, the left side is language and data. Mm. So when you use art therapy, you're tapping into that whole experience and all of the emotions, and you don't have to rely on words. So it's, and, and the, the left side doesn't like uncertainty. So, right. So we tell ourselves all kinds of things that are not true because it makes us feel better. Right. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> that's how your brain works. It's a survival mechanism. Whereas the right side doesn't have language. It doesn't, you know, it, it, it stores information in other ways. So the art therapy mm -hmm. and the use of imagery and art making and creativity, it taps into that raw experience and it, puts it onto a piece of paper and depending on how the art therapist works, then the client has an opportunity to assign meaning, gain understanding, work through something um, because it's now in front of them. It's like mm -hmm. that whole idea when you say, I just can't quite explain how I'm feeling, right? Well, that's what that mm -hmm. is. You know, it's over here and over here. It's that separation. So you can, as a client, as a clinician, help somebody work through something and they don't have to have the words for it. This is why it works well with small wow. children or you mm -hmm. may, you know, and it's still working as well as then, then there's, and that's kind of where the cognitive side of art therapy, but then there's also just the side of art therapy where you can use art to heal, to self-soothe, to ground, to regulate. You can use it actively to help somebody cope. So there's mm -hmm. the cognitive side and then there's the coping side. And maybe, you know, I've worked with um, very young children who in domestic violence situations, I worked in a children's uh, creative arts therapy program in New Jersey. Um, and we had some very young children and, you know, my job in that, in that situation was to provide a space for these kids to have control mm -hmm. to, have a safe place to come and share or just have a safe place um, to form a relationship with an adult that was safe um, and to have a place that they could just express all of the emotion that they wasn't safe for them necessarily to express elsewhere. Um, and so. So they're plucked having, out of that environment, right? They're, they're taken out of the environment. So the program that or I was in, maybe not, they could still be in it as well. Um, so the program I worked for, we served, um, this was the nonprofit, was a nonprofit. Um, mm. 
and it was called the PALS program. And we, the, the identified parental figure who had been abused had to complete our adults program and had to be out of the active domestic violence situation and before their child could come and be a part of the children's program. So, but that being said, sometimes parental rights are not terminated. Sometimes the kids still have visitation with the identified abuser. Domestic violence is a very difficult um, legal situation. Terminating parental rights is a very long and complicated process. A lot of people um, report and then recant and then report and then recant. And so um, it's complicated, right? So, so yeah, some of my kids that I worked with would go on the weekends and visit with the identified abuser, which was very tricky. Um, oh, I can imagine. Know. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's that, that would have to be a lot, right? It's like you're trying to help them heal, go back, trying to help them go back, backwards and forwards. Hey everyone, I'm jumping in here to let you know about a great little campaign we're doing at the moment in the lead up to Christmas. It has been a pretty challenging almost couple of years and we wanted to see what we could do to help small businesses around the world get a little bit more visibility. So we started a grassroots campaign with creative entrepreneurs and solopreneurs in mind and built an online Christmas directory so shoppers can come and support you this festive season. This is a free service and we'd love to invite you to join us. And if you feel like you could do with a little more help, we have for a very limited time, a small program to help you refine some of your processes and get questions answered on how you can improve your business. You can find out all this information on our website at www.leonimilano.com or message us on Instagram at leonimilano spelled L-E-O-N-I-M-I-L-A-N-O. If you're someone looking for gifts this year, we'd love to invite you to support these wonderful people on our platform. Now let's get back to the episode. You know, when this whole thing with domestic violence, which is still prevalent in a lot of places. Everywhere. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this cycle just keeps going. And I feel like how do we how do we figure out a way to we need to bring it more to the masses more? You know, it's um it's oh domestic violence, but it's almost like it's a clinical term when you think about what is actually happening. It's like we have this um cognitive kind of dissonance to what is let's call it what's really happening you know it's i think it's uh, and this is not really a good comparison but you know somebody who eats meat and a vegan and you know the person i don't know if if there's weird situations with that people don't see behind it you know if it's a bad situation with animals um mm-hmm. There's a distance the, between it, yes. Yeah, like if they're – a lot of the times we hear about animals in horrendous situations, but then people get the food in the packet and it's like there's that disconnect. So we have so much disconnect with so many things. 
100%. And there's, a, and there's a lot of pushback when it comes to dealing with this. A lot of pushback. I mean, look at the, the violence that happens around it. Yeah. So, and the very sad thing about it. So the agency I work with, it fights tooth and nail for every dollar it gets to provide funding for these services, which are provided to the families for free to help mm -hmm. these families. They work tirelessly all year long to just sustain the programs. And we dump money into things like entertainment mm -hmm. that has no real lifelong value in making our world a better place. It's entertainment, right? Whereas a program like this or an after-school program or in implementing more counseling in high schools, elementary schools, middle schools, that has long-term impact in our world. You know, kids that come to that program that I was part of, they learn how to have their own voice. They learn how to gain mm -hmm. control over their emotions. They learn that violence is not a resource for expressing yourself. That starts to break the cycle of violence. You know, we help support the women to leave so that they can get on their feet and they can show their kids that that's not okay and that they give their children a voice, give themselves a voice. Mm. Um, but we don't a lot of the time, evaluate. yeah, a lot of the time, I think even now women think that it's something that they have to put up with or that they don't have any other options. They really 100% believe this. And you see the way children behave, how they're treating people, you know, you know, that's learned behavior. Yep. So we have to. It, it's so frustrating for me to um, just see, you know, here's the thing is as, as humans, we, we, we just want things. We want what we want. We don't want what we need. And that's mm -hmm. the issue with how our brain functions. And, we, you know, there's so much more we have to bring into our awareness. And once we do, and then we see the work, but how do we get to that? You know, it, it's a lot. So we need to do more. And I'm really excited about, you know, the way the world is changing now. We're definitely in the creator economy and the micro-educator. Mm -hmm. I think the micro-educator is going to have a very strong voice, um, you know, when it comes to the real niche areas and then to be able to tap in and identify more specifically to people that need the help that can be identified and have can get that awareness. And I think it's such a great way for people to do therapy also because it's way less daunting, I think. Sure. Sure. Than having Absolutely. to see sit like, down and tell oh, your whole life story. Yeah. 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 You can just that goes and, on for, for years sometimes for people. Right. And what is that about? That's that's just looped. That's a loop. You've got to break that. Any, listen to Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He talks about we literally put ourselves on a loop and we replay the same things over and over. We have to literally get out of that environment and right. to be able to look back and say, oh, okay, now I see 
all these behaviors. I just kept perpetuating the same behavior, but now I can make a different choice. And that's where I think your work comes in. As well as one of the reasons that I added in coaching into kind of one of the, into my elements of, of working is that coaching really focuses on the present and making the best life for yourself in the future and getting out of that loop. You know, that loop is, it's important to have understanding about the past and, and kind of work through things and heal from that, but it is in the past. And Mm. so getting to a place where you're focusing on your life today and what changes you want to make today and what do you want your future to look like? Because you're in control of that. You are no longer in control of the past. You cannot change that. You cannot edit it. You cannot, as much as we would want to, you can't, but you do have control in what you do today, what you do tomorrow. And that's where the shift of coaching focuses more on, on kind of the present, um, present day, as well as, um, you know, we talk about the world hasn't been impacted by the pandemic and negatively. So in so many ways, Mm. one of the positive things is that, Zoom and the online world of therapy has now opened up. It's kind of skyrocketed, actually. Yes. What it was. And it's amazing because now, you know, one of the number one barriers for getting therapy is transportation, access. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go to look for a therapist and you're in a rural area, you maybe have like four options. Now you have infinite options, right? Like, you can find the therapist or the coach or the person that's going to help you that, that you can connect with electronically. And Mm -hmm. so it's opened that all up as well as being able to be in your own home. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a real value in the physical presence of another person and and doing therapy in in face-to-face. However, for some people, that's a barrier. Oh Yeah. Being able to be in your own comfort zone, in your own home, not have to get childcare, not have to do get transportation, not have to have gas money, you know, Mm -hmm. like to be able to do that um, and have access is really, I think it's going to be revolutionary. Yeah, it's definitely going to change, continue to change and evolve. And you know, I think with programs like you have, you're able to reach anyone anywhere so long as they have a connection, right? Yeah. And so I do art, but when I do art coaching, it's with basic supplies. It's with stuff that you have access to at any grocery store. You don't have to go off and get some fancy kind of package. No, anything. It's colored Mm -hmm. pencils, it's markers, it's basic paint, it's whatever you have, because it's not about the final product. It's about the process. So whether you have four colors of colored pencils, or you have 452 colors of colored pencils, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. As long as you are creating an image, as long as you're working with somebody, as long as you're creating that art, that's the important part. Um, mm. And so I purposely, my workshops, any of my individual, any of my um, group coaching, it's with very basic things that anybody can have access to because what I want to do, I don't want a client for two and a half years. 
No. I don't think that's, I don't think I'm doing that person service, um, mm. a service. I want to work with somebody and then give them tools they have to then use art for the, that's why it's called art for life coaching for the rest of their lives. They now have a tool for self-expression, for oh, stress reduction, brilliant. for mm. managing anxiety, for whatever it is, getting in touch with their own emotions. If they're struggling through something, I want them to have those tools. And mm. so um, that's, that's my practice. That's my goal. Mm. And if somebody, so somebody, just say somebody like me, I don't consider myself to be somebody that can draw anything. Um, do you do, do you go by prompts or how do you, you know, if I had a piece of paper in front of me and I had to draw something, I would look at it and be like, well, I don't know how to do this. I don't, what it, you know, the first thing is like, oh, I'm going to do this wrong, right, which of course, right. Of course, I know there's no wrong with it. There's no wrong, but there's that anxiety. Yes, yes, 100%. Most people stop making art around sixth grade. And maybe they've had like, because that's in general in our schools when art stops being offered. unless you have, Yeah, unless you have an interest and you take additional courses, it's about where it stops. And Mm. so um, that anxiety is very real. And then you hear Mm. horrific stories about like, kids that were just put down by their teachers or whatever that you you know, you kind of, there's this little like art trauma, right? This art anxiety about production. So what I usually do when I start is I do a lot of scribbles, a lot of like just playing with the art materials again and getting used to them. Because again, if you haven't done it since sixth grade, you probably haven't picked up unless you're doing something with your children, but if you don't have children or a niece or a nephew or whatever, mm. you probably haven't picked up any art materials, right? Um, That's crazy. Is, yeah, mm-hmm. this is yeah, the think thing. About it. Yeah. I, so I start there. I start with, let's just scribble. Let's play. Let's just create lines. Let's see what feels good, what movements you like. And then we talk about what came up for you when you were doing that. And that's kind of one of the places we start the conversation, as well as when you come in for coaching, you know, it's solution focused. I want to work on, you know, adjusting to my life, living outside of my home country. I want to work on, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I've gone through a divorce and I'm trying to figure out who I am again. I want to, I want help with that. I, you know, so most people who are coming to coaching have an idea where they want it, what they're trying to get to. So Mm -hmm. use the art to kind of create that vision. And also I use collage. You may, you can cut out stuff out of, out of magazines. It doesn't have to be that you can draw it. You know, we make marks. So it's, Mm. it's how you assign meaning to those things. So having an ability to draw does not matter. Right. The only thing that matters is a willingness yeah. You know, but because I have my master's also just in, in counseling and I'm and a certified coach, if you are very resistant and don't want to do art, then we start there until yeah. you're comfortable. You can do that. I think there's a huge, huge scope for people to try something like this. You know, I think 
I think everybody at some level has some kind of trauma or something that they're dealing with. And, you know, I don't know, I guess, depending on who you're speaking to that whole time from zero to seven, where our brains are developing Mm. and we're learning behaviors at that time. And that's what we know. So when those behaviors are repeated later and everyone's like, frustrated. What am I doing? I keep doing this. And then with therapy, they finally can understand, even if it's not good, it's what you're familiar with. And it's so strong, the connections, the resistance to real, how would I say, realign or reinvent our identity Like we're still us, but we need to kind of know how to move into a new place. And when you're leaving those people behind, that's also scary. Even if you are around people that aren't necessarily good for you, but you've known them for such a long time, that's a huge thing. You know, that's the part of the uh, primal thing of like breaking away from the tribe. Yes, yes. And that's why domestic violence is as complicated as it is. That's why people don't make changes. That's why they live in toxic situations and toxic relationships for a long, long time, because change is very scary and it's often hard. And that's Mm -hmm. why I think we need more and more healers in this world to help people along those journeys, you know, that, that you don't have to do this by yourself. You can go to somebody um, and have support while you're working through this. And that's kind of the crux of that is the benefit of therapy, coaching, um, having a mentor, you know, whatever it is that you find um, that helps you having a guide on that journey is really, I think. Oh, I love that you just said guide. You know, I, I think it's a bit like, how much do you want to continue struggling or do you want to just get on with it? Because we don't have time. We do not have time. And half of the time, I think it was a Harvard study where they said that I think it's like 49 point something percent of our time during the day, we're off in a daze thinking about something else besides the activity that we have right in front of us. That's a lot of time. So I feel like every day we constantly need to bring our attention back to what we're doing and we need guides because, you know, before I started seeing coaches or getting help with anything, I had no idea. And you don't know what you don't know. But once you have this awareness of like, oh, I don't need to be in this situation. What? Is that even possible? Because I think some people don't even think it's possible. Sure. Absolutely. That that like you said, what, if you don't know what you don't know, like how do you know that this is life could be different? Yeah, exactly. I think there's so much more room for this kind of work and I absolutely love what you're doing. Thank and you. thank you so much for coming and being my first guest. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been an amazing conversation. <laughs> really enjoyed working with you um, in our other kind of venue. Yeah. 
Yes. So, and we are, let's uh, very briefly talk about um, the, what we're a part of is yeah. uh, Reindeer, which is, uh, it's an online pop-up Christmas campaign to bring small businesses around the world together to help support them in the lead up during this festive period, because this is actually, you know, the greatest time for anybody to be making sales and getting back on their feet. So trying to get out of that whole COVID slump and move forward, because regardless of what happens, we kind of do need to keep moving forward. And I think having support and having a community just makes it so much easier. And seeing people weekly take those incremental steps and one thing builds on the other. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, I just did all of that. And now I'm, you know, back on my feet with a sustainable business. Mm-hmm. And as a service-based business, you know, for me and a new business, I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, getting on my feet and figuring out how I'm going to um, market my services and get the word out and, and organize myself. It's been very valuable in kind of, you um, navigating some of that, you know, and hearing Mm. different ideas and kind of, and also accountability. You know, I know when we meet up that I have to have work done. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) I know that's like the resistance, right? We all have that resistance, but how worthwhile is it? Like people will, people will hide for a month or two or a year or two years. That's tragic for me. That is completely tragic. We just, I think when we realize how precious our time is that we're not going to get this this time again, when this year's gone, it's just gone. And then you look back in a couple of years and you just think, hmm, I don't know. You know, I think we need to do reflection, but we need to move forward and push ourselves forward to take um, steps that we're way more aware of that are aligned with our values and what we actually want not a short term, short term kind of fix. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So thank you. And how can people find you right now? Thank you for asking. So I have a website, which is artforlifecoaching.com. And you can contact me through that. There's all kinds of uh, prompts to send me emails and everything through that. As well as I have an Instagram page, uh, which is the handle is artforlifecoaching as well. And um, I can be reached through there. And those are kind of the two best places because you can see an example of on the website, you see what services I provide. And then Mm -hmm. on Instagram, it's, you know, kind of the day-to-day updates of what's going on. So those are the best ways to reach me. Fantastic. Thank you again. And thank you everybody for listening to our very first episode. And um, yeah, uh, stay tuned for the next episode. And thank you, Heather. And I wish you all the best with everything. Thank you. See you later. You've just finished listening to an episode of Rare Conversations. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and share it with a friend who you think would be interested in this topic. And if you have a business question, please send it in to us we may very well answer it in our next episode. So be sure to tag me on social media at Leonie Milano. The show notes and other information can be found on our website at www.leonimilano.com 
Thank you again for listening and we look forward to having you back with us again soon.